Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Anne Lancaster. Thank you for listening. Learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. Chelsea Forbrook is the president of Enneagram Minnesota and is a spiritual director and Enneagram educator based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She teaches a 10-month experiential Enneagram course and hosts a podcast called The Enneagram of Essence. Chelsea is the author of the book, Blessing My Demons, How to Name, Tame, and Transform Your Inner Critic, which will be released this October. She was part of the SDI New Contemplatives cohort for the year 2018 and continues to be an active member in our community of spiritual directors and companions. She will be hosting a five-part webinar series at the end of October called Using the Enneagram to Name, Tame, and Transform Your Inner Critic, Creative Practices, Tools, and Rituals for Spiritual Directors. You can learn more about Chelsea on her website, www.chelseaforbrook.com. Welcome, Chelsea. It's really wonderful to have you here with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Great. So could you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got involved with the work of spiritual direction and with SDI specifically? Sure. Yeah, I had been meeting with my own spiritual director for almost a decade. I started right after I was out of college and we weren't calling it spiritual direction, so I didn't even know what spiritual direction was until about six years into it. <laughs> and so when she explained it to me and and she was like, well, I think you would be good at this. You should check it out. And um, so a few years later, I went for it and um, graduated from Christos Center for Spiritual Formation, which is here in um, close to Minneapolis in Minnesota. And that was 2016. So I've been practicing since then. That's awesome. Um, so how did you hook up with SDI? How did you get involved in our community? Yeah, um, I a friend told me about SDI and there was um, a cohort that was like a scholarship opportunity to come to the SDI conference and the cohort was for the, uh, they call it new contemplative. So it's for spiritual directors under 40. And so I applied to that and got in, came to the conference in St. Louis and absolutely loved it and loved the cohort of people I was with. And I'm still in close friendship and relationship with most of them to this day. That's awesome. We hear that from a lot of our new contemplative cohorts. It's like they find a sense of fellowship and community with their other um, spiritual directors and companions. And yeah, the, those relationships just continue on and on. And we find that with even with some of our coursework, um, some of our webinar series that people will still, you know, communicate with each other long after they're over with. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's wonderful. So you've written a book, right, about the inner critic, which is the topic that we were talking about in this webinar series. So can you tell us a little bit about what is the inner critic and what brought you to choose that as a topic of focus? So in addition to being a spiritual director, I'm also an Enneagram teacher and I use the Enneagram in coaching and workshops and trainings and also bring it into spiritual direction as well. And so the Enneagram for folks who may not know is a map 
that shows us nine different personality types and their core motivations, core fears, and also like the essence of beautiful qualities that are underneath all the layers of ego. And so as I've been doing my work with spiritual direction clients and Enneagram clients, I've noticed that the element of our psyche that, in my opinion, really, I think, gets in the way the most of changing and growing, healing, transforming is the inner critic, just hands down. It is the part of our ego, it's in psychological terms, the super ego that is there, like its whole function is to keep us from changing. And it's very, very sneaky. It has nine different ways and different flavors of doing that, depending on what your personality type is. And I am a Enneagram one. That's my home base. And so most people who know about the Enneagram know that we tend to associate the inner critic with type one, because ones have a very persistent, very loud and very critical and oftentimes very cruel inner critic. And so I've lived with it my whole life and have been working with it for a long time and discovering methods that work and and all the things that don't work, which is equally as important. But it was in learning the Enneagram on a deeper level that I realized, oh, this isn't an Enneagram one problem. This is a human problem. And regardless of what type of personality we have, even if it's an Enneagram seven, for example, who's their whole programming is about staying happy and upbeat and encouraging and positive. They too have an inner critic that is demanding of them to stay upbeat, to stay happy, to stay positive. And so their inner critic is going to sound very different than a type one's inner critic. It's going to sound like a pep talk. It's going to sound like, you can do it. Don't get down. Don't be a Debbie Downer. Stay up. Keep everyone happy. Yeah, you got this. Like, that's what an Enneagram 7's inner critic is like. And so if we don't see it for what it is and understand, oh, that's the part of me that's keeping me trapped in my personality box. It's not giving me options to feel all of my human feelings, the full spectrum. It's not giving me options to take risks and do anything different. And so, you know, for anyone who's trying to to branch out to try something new, whether that's simply a new hobby or moving to a new city, making new friends or applying for a new job, following a dream, like it is the inner critic that can stop us from taking the steps that lead to the fulfillment of, of that life that we want to live. And so it's really important as spiritual directors that we can see this clearly when it's coming up with our the people that we're companioning and it's really important that we're tracking our own inner critic as well in sessions and noticing how the demands and pressures of our own inner critic might be getting in the way of active listening staying in presence creating that safe space and like a field of holding and compassion, like the inner critic can get in the way of all of that, even for the most experienced of spiritual companions. So I think it's really important to kind of look at it from both sides of that. 
Could you give us an example of how that would show up in a session from both sides? Yeah. So on the side of the spiritual director, for me, like a, a personal example would be my personality as a one. And there are other personalities that have this as well, like twos and sixes and eights and a lot of people, but have this impulse to help people, to fix people. And the inner critic is like putting pressure on us to do that because mm -hmm. it's saying you should be helpful. You should be responsible. You should have all the answers. You need to be competent. And whether it's like actual voice in the head or just a feeling or even just a somatic felt sense of like some itch to jump in and fix or help or give advice. That's not what we're trained to do as spiritual directors. We don't give advice. We listen and we ask good questions. And so it can mess things up real quick. Once the inner critic starts running the session of like, okay, my goal is to, by the end of this session, have this person have this particular outcome, right? And then there's like a taking of control that happens and just that pushes spirit out of the process and thinking that it's all up to me. And when I meet with my peer supervision group, it's amazing. There's four of us, four spiritual directors that meet together once a month. And almost every time what people are presenting, the struggles that they're having with certain directees is it's about their own inner critic, their own expectations that they're putting on themselves for just having human emotions or thoughts towards that person and thinking that they shouldn't. So this practice is really not only about becoming aware of it, but including it like, yes, I can have compassion for this part of myself too, which helps the whole thing kind of just deflate a little bit, relax, simmer down. And then on the, the other side of the relationship equation of the, the directee or the person who is receiving the spiritual companioning, it can show up in so many ways, but I, I think it in general, it, it's these expectations that people put on themselves. And then when they're not meeting those expectations, feeling terrible about themselves. And often that can show up as imposter syndrome or just having human limitations. Like if they're caretaking for a aging parent, for example, and they want more time for themselves, for their own self-care, the inner critic can come in and say, selfish, how could you? That yeah. makes you a bad person, right? And so mm -hmm. then they push, 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 and push through until they're exhausted or they snap and say something awful to their parent that they really regret. And it doesn't have to be that way if we can help them recognize, oh, your inner critic has really high standards for you that aren't even human, right? You do need your rest. You do need mm -hmm. to have needs and wants and to be able to allow those things as well. Sure. So once somebody is able to identify when their inner critic is kind of taking control of a situation, is this sort of like an active process that you have to go through for the rest of your life when you say, okay, this is happening. Now, thank you for your service. Thank you for letting me know this. Now let's look at this from another perspective. Is this something that we have to continuously do? I would say there's kind of two parts to that. So yes and no. It does take a lot of practice and each time the inner critic comes up, 
it might be trying a new tactic. It's pretty sneaky, so we might not catch it right away, and that's okay. But I do have a set of exercises that I like to take people through in order to develop a new relationship with their inner critic. Because um, you know, there's this kind of cliche phrase of what we resist persists, but it's true. And so if I'm trying to get rid of my inner critic, it's kind of just giving it energy and fuel to come back at me even stronger. So, you know, the things that don't work are trying to argue against it, trying to ignore it, trying to justify myself and prove that I'm right through rational arguments, like all of this stuff happening inside doesn't really work, even though it logically seems like it should. And so there's a whole other way that is about radical inclusion, acceptance, and actually befriending the inner critic, because it is well-intentioned. It's trying to keep us safe. It's trying to keep us from doing new things, because those new things could be dangerous. It's stepping out into the unknown. And it it does want to protect us, but it's very misguided in, in the ways that it does it. So the exercises are are really about befriending it and developing a a compassionate relationship with it. I have found that it does lessen over time. As we do this work, it does quiet down. It comes less frequently. However, the inner critic is also immortal, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just like keeps coming back. Every time I think I'm done with it, then I'll have another inner critic attack. And Mm. so it's... You know, it's humbling, you know, for someone who just spent several years working on a inner critic book and I'm supposed to be the expert and then and then the inner critic attacks still happen and and that's okay. And so it's it's really helping me and I hope this particular process can help others too, just in embracing all of our imperfections, all of our humanity, all of the emotions, all of the mistakes, all the failures even, and just let it be okay. And developing a sense of humor around it. The humor really helps. It takes away some of the power from that inner critic voice. What does it feel like to befriend your inner critic? What does that whole process um, look like to you? Like, mm-hmm. and how did you develop the process? Is it something that you came up with yourself over time, just trying new things? Or is it something you read about somewhere? How did that work? I have heard advice from a couple different Enneagram teachers in workshops about um, when they get to the, the talk about the piece about the Enneagram ones and inevitably one of someone says, but how do I get rid of my inner critic? And they've given some kind of advice around, you need to get to know it. So dialogue with it, ask it questions. Like, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to protect me from? What's your goal here? And even if they're being quite a jerk, their intentions are good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so through that, then it starts to become a process of seeing the inner critic as a character separate from myself. Oh. And 
That is so helpful. It's kind of like maybe in some ways similar to like internal family systems or mm. there's the, there's a, I think it's Tibetan, maybe Buddhism um, practice called Chod. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but it's also similar of like taking those parts of ourselves that we don't like and then dialoguing with them, sending them love, sending them compassion and trying to see what, what they're up to. And so part of my process is I really get people to have that dialogue and then imagine that voice or that feeling as an actual character and draw it and put talk bubbles of all the nasty things that it says and you know, turn it into a cartoon strip. And then it becomes funny. Like no matter how nasty it is, once it's on the paper <laughs> and once it's a character that's not me, it's manageable. And nice. it removes it removes the shame of mm. like identification with this part of me that's so heavy and so demanding and just full of guilt and rage and fear. And once that's, you know, some other character that I can pat on the head and say like, oh, I got this, you go take a nap, then it's less threatening. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I love that idea. I've been through a similar process myself. It's like all organic, but I did the similar kind of thing. It's like, I'm talking to this part of myself that isn't like me. It's like separate from me. And that really did help me. It's like, oh, okay. I, I, I understand you're trying to help me, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, let, let's move on with that. So with the webinar series that you're going to be running with SDI, what can people expect from the series? You have five sessions and um, they're 90 minutes each. So that's a, a lot of time to be working with the inner critic. What are we going to be talking about? So we'll get into really the mechanics of the inner critic first and uh, make sure we're all kind of on the same page about understanding the different parts of our psyche, our ego versus our essence, you know, that sort of true self, false self is another language that mm. sometimes gets used. In the Enneagram, we usually say ego and essence or personality and essence. And so we will look at the demands of each of the nine inner critics for each type. And then also this connects back to there are nine lost childhood messages. So messages that we didn't receive or didn't internalize as very, very young children. That is also kind of that insecurity then feeds the inner critic. So kind of looking at how all of that works together. So for folks who don't know the Enneagram, they're also welcome to come to this workshop and they might discover what their type is through this workshop or think they knew their type and then realize, wow. oh, that's not my type. It's something else. So we'll look at all of that. And um, some of it will be you know, from an Enneagram perspective. Some is just simple psychology. And then the rest of the sessions will be a combination of we're going to go through several guided practices ourselves. So everyone will have a chance to name their inner critic, dialogue with it, discover what its, um, its motivations are, draw a picture of it. And then doing that, then there will be opportunities to then like get in small groups and share about it, what, you know, what insights, what things we've discovered. So I really want this webinar to be quite interactive. So it won't just be me lecturing the whole time. I, there, 
I'll do a teaching bit in each session, but then there will also be an active exercise that we'll go through each time. And then there'll be breakout groups each time for some more like intimate discussion and then, and then some Q and A and relating it back specifically to why does this matter and how do we use this with our directees in sessions and how do we use it with ourselves in sessions as well when our inner critic is getting activated. Excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming book, when is it being published? Where can people buy it? What is the title? Give us all of the info you can. Thank you. Um, so it's called Blessing My Demons, How to Name, Tame, and Transform Your Inner Critic. So similar to the title of the webinar, so that's easy to remember. And it will be published by Wiseink, which is a publisher here in Minneapolis. And it will release not like officially official, but it's looking like it will be October 4th will be the release date. And Amazon is probably the best and easiest way to order it. Um, and if you're anti-Amazon, which I understand, <laughs> you can order it through Itasca Books, which is the direct distributor. Okay. And um, so, yeah, the book is divided into three different sections. It's part memoir. So it has a lot of stories from my life that are going to demonstrate basically how the inner critic runs and ruins our lives. And then I draw upon teachings from contemplative and mystic Christianity, Buddhism, 12-step recovery, spirituality, and the Enneagram in the book. So it kind of combines all four of those traditions because that's what I am familiar with. And so there's storytelling, there's a teaching portion, and then the illustrations of my inner critics are in the book as well. <laughs> so those are quite humorous. And it's, it's a, it's a fun book. I mean, inner critic is a very heavy topic. But this book is fun and humorous. So it makes it more palatable. And we can actually get through it. <laughs> because there is, is some humor and lightness along the way. And then each chapter ends with some specific exercises for the reader to work through on their own, to work with their own inner critic. Will people um, be required to read the book before doing this webinar series, or is that something they can read on their own time and still get the full benefit? Yeah, reading the book beforehand is not a requirement. There are several exercises from the book that we will do in the webinar, but then there are several more in the book that we won't have time to get to. So the book was meant to be a resource that gets pulled off the shelf again and again. And so I recommend folks buy it, but it's not a requirement to attend the course. So what about the other work that you do outside of just this specific topic? So you have a podcast called the Enneagram of Essence. Um, can you tell us about that? The Enneagram of Essence is a podcast where I interview people of each type and I'm specifically interviewing them about their spiritual journey and how they were before they had self-awareness or mindfulness practices and then were there moments in their life that served to wake them up and then what was their process unfolding after that as they became more healthy and whole. And so it's really fun to see what that progression looks like for each of the nine types. So there's two seasons of interviews. And then there's a third season of all guided 
spiritual practices. So various different types of meditation and contemplative prayer. They're all less than 20 minutes. Some are, you know, as little as six minutes. And so that's just a good resource library for folks to turn to as well when they just need some outside guidance around how to pray or how to meditate. And that available then in all the usual places that you'd find a podcast? All the usual places, yes. Excellent. And how can folks contact you or learn more about your work in general? Yeah. So my website is chelseaforbrook.com. So that's a good place to see what all of my offerings are. I've got two Enneagram courses coming up starting this fall of 2023 and some other speaking engagements and things. So the website is the best way and you can just contact me through the contact form right there on the website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining us. And I'm really looking forward to your series. Thank you so much. Good to be with you. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.